It's a joy to be with all of you again in the house of God. Um, those of you that have been away, we are grateful to the Lord that you, you are back. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes and chapter 4. Sorry, chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we'll begin reading from verse 1. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to go to, to do good while they live. What everyone, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that men will revile him. Whatever has already been, and what will be has been before. God will call the past to account. And I, was, I also saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, 
God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. Man's fate is like that of animals. The same fate awaits both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage of animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place and come from the dust, and the dust they will return. Who knows if the spirit of man, who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there's nothing better for man than to enjoy his way because that is his Lord. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. I'm sure a number of you have heard this text read to you, or some portions of this text, particularly during funerals, when the mourners are encouraged that there is time for everything. I must hasten that this is true and it is useful for us to use a text like this during funerals so that people understand that there is time for everything. However, the teacher as he introduced himself at the beginning of our studies is bringing to our attention the issue of us responding to time or events that come our way. So this morning I have entitled the sermon as What is Time? What is time to you? I believe that the thoughts of the preacher or the teacher are coming from chapter 2, verse 24 to 26, the verses that we looked at last week, which are the same thoughts he has carried out in chapter 3, verses 19 to 13, and they come to the end in chapter 3 and verse 22. This is simply to say God is sovereign. God is bigger than our time. God governs himself. God is far beyond us. And because God is far beyond us, we need to know how we should respond to time or events that he gives us. We already know the language of the teacher in the way he expresses himself. He calls work as toiling, laboring, suffering. He's very negative because of the results of it all. But I think his attention here is all to do with how great, how powerful, how self-governing this God is. 
If then that is the case, what about time? What, what is this thing known as time? At, at this point, I can also say people of my age and those who are older than me, they, they like to say, in our time. And I don't know why we, we say that, in, in our time, as if we are no longer there, as if we are dead. But, but all they mean is when they look back, they even, we even term the, the, the former days as golden days, as if things were far much better than they are now. They'll say, in our days, in our time, we did things this way and that way. It is like God is no longer in control. Because in our time, children respected their parents. In your time, children are not respecting their parents or adults or things like that. We, we look back and say, in our time. Well, let me just say a little bit about this time. In the sense that time is a very important commodity that God gives to everyone equally and differently. We all have 24 hours in a day, and I know some of us here, if we wanted extra hours, we would ask at least for four more hours in a day so that we have 28 hours because we have more work to be done. Others would want it reduced so that they can go and sleep more. Or, or, or take time to, to find pleasure. But the point is, this is critical because it affects all of us. Let me begin by saying the teacher here is not talking about a specific time. Like, what is the time? The one in the Greek, they use kairos, to know that 10 hours is the time, or 10, 15, so specific with seconds, but he's talking about periods of time. Like in the past, people say he was born when maize was knee high. That, that is not a specific time. It is a time when maize was planted, some planted earlier, others planted later, but it is knee high. And uh, when they ask you how old you are, you, you fail to answer because it's, it's a long period of time. When, like the hymn we sang, one day when heaven was filled with his presence, as if all along, there was no time that heaven was filled with the presence of God. And yet, it is that particular period of time when God is focusing on sending his son and we have sung one day when heaven was filled with his presence. One day they led him up Covers mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Specific, it is not specific times, but particular activities of value that have gone to the lives of people so that they cannot forget them. I, I, I didn't get permission from the women, but uh, 
I'm sure women will tell you. They have a child that has been born, and this child is maybe 20 years old. When you go and temper with that child, I'm told they feel the labor pains that happened 20 years ago. I don't know how that comes. <laughs> but they say, I carried the baby for nine months, but there was a day of labor. When you beat my son, when you beat my daughter, I feel those pains. It is not specific time, but a particular period of time that has stuck in the life of this woman. And that's what I think the teacher is talking about. He's talking about things that God has given us in our hands and how we have responded to these things. Maybe that time they counted this time like the way we count it in Africa. That's why we're not specific to come at the right time. We, we, we come during. But, but let's, let's not do that. The teacher is telling us that there are specific things that come our way and we need to know how to respond to that. And then he tells us those contrasts, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck, a time to kill and so on and so forth. But what it then is the lesson in all this? I want to highlight just a few things, but first it is to do with God has given us work at a specific time for us to enjoy him. Like I said, chapter, 20, chapter 2, verse 24 to 26, that is where he's springing from for him to come and talk about time. In those verses, he says, a human being is created to do work. A human being should work. You and me should not be lazy, but we should be committed to hard work. And this work should give us pleasure because it is an achievement in life for us to work. And work defines you. That's why some people are called Vasa, just because he's a teacher. And they look at somebody else, ah, this one is not Vasa, he's just a doctor. But they're both sons that to be respected. But because of what they do, it defines them. These are the thoughts of the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 12, when he says, we should keep away from those who are idle. Those who don't work, those who are busy bodies, those who just want to get it and not work. And so God, through the teacher, is saying people should be working. The Apostle Paul says, later on he says, those who don't work should not even eat. And he says we should not um, spend a lot of time with those people. Why should work be important? It's because of the times that are there. 
there's time to plant and there's time to harvest. You are not going to do the harvest if you do not work by way of planting. It is because there is time to be born, because there's time to build, because there's time that describes work. But much more, it is because work joins us to our Father in heaven. He is a working God. So we who are his children must be working. So everything has its own time. Work will give us certain demands. Work will give us certain things that we should do. We'll be able to prepare ourselves for work. It will give us a picture of what is expected of us. And it will give us that expectation in life. The teacher gives himself as an example. He says he did a lot of work and he enjoyed his work. But the mistake he made was he ignored time. Friends, you may know how to plant, but if you are going to plant at a wrong time, your harvest is going to be affected. You may know how to weed, but if you are going to weed, when the grass has already grown, it will affect your produce. He is saying he got involved in a lot of work, but he forgot that his time on earth is limited. That's why fast forward in chapter 11 and 12, he says, young man, remember your creator while you are still young. It is time that as we work, work should not consume us completely to forget about God, to forget about ourselves, that we have a short time to live on earth. But work should remind us that we are working today. Tomorrow, we may not be working. Tomorrow, we may die. And we are going to face our maker. And he's going to say, what work did I give you when you are on earth? That's what I believe the teacher is talking about. You may be saying, if only you had work, you'd worship God. Many people have given excuses for worshiping God because they work. But use your work as a means to worship God. Use your work to recognize that God is the one that has given it to you. Use your work to understand that there is a, a force that you are putting in for you to produce. Let it be translated also in your relationship with God and with others. These are times of reflecting on the greatness of this God. But there's something else. He has not just given us work. He has given us time in which to do this work. And Ola, the teacher, is saying, 
is that there is time to keep and there's time to throw away. That is simply to say we should know what to do at a given time. Do it and do it well at that given time. Because friends, time is something that cannot be reversed. One, one of these days, I, I woke up to do a little bit of exercise. What I decided to do was to look like a young man. I put on a head sock to hide my head and I put on a, a light t-shirt and a track bottom and started jogging. Then I met a group of young men. They were also running in the morning. I, I thought they did not see me clearly. I just said them at, ah, Mikalaka Mdalaka Padia. Kali Kosaka. I thought I was looking young, but I can't reverse. They are telling me, come delicate. I can't reverse. The years you look back and say, I wish I was still in secondary school. I'll make it to get six points. I wish I was in college. I'd work very hard. I wish this is a time I had my firstborn child. I'd look after them well. I wish I was young again. You cannot reverse time. You wasted time. That's what Solomon is saying here. He wasted his time. He did not put it to good use. God has given us opportunities. Wherever you are in age, do it well. That is your time to plant so that there's a better harvest. But secondly, in this passage, there's something clear that the teacher has told us from chapter 3 now, verse 10 to 15. He says, God has put eternity in each one of us. So our laboring is not temporal. It has an eternal consequence. He says the only problem is man is not thinking, is not, is not understanding, cannot fathom. Why is this eternity put in man? Friends, again, here is my African mind. In Africa, we believe that the dead don't die. They just go somewhere. They even begin to govern the people that are alive. I can see the adults are saying, yeah. We, we have respect of those who have died. That's why some babies are given these big names. To, this is your great-grandfather. This is your name. But I don't want this name. But you have nothing because we want to appease those who have died. Why? There's some element of eternity 
put in us that life does not end at the grave. We even say, ah, he hasn't slept well in that grave. The English people, they say he's turning in his grave as if we are watching them. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about here. Many times we feel like there's no eternity. And so we take life lightly. And so we take our work lightly. So we begin to say, ah, everyone is going to die, so what? You will die, but there is eternity. You'll be crossing over from this part of life into eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Thanks be to God for Solomon, who repents. Who knows what it means to say there's eternity, and he turns to this God and pleads for mercy. If you do not plead for mercy from God, there is this issue of eternity. Other religions, they'll tell you that if you live a good life, you may turn into a cow after you die. But if you live a bad life, you may just turn into a frog and you will die. But Christianity, tells us there is no change except you step in eternity, whether saved or unsaved. And that's why he says, if God has put eternity, then let's be weary of worldly pleasures that take away eternity from perspective. Friends, if we all had the idea of eternity in our minds, we would be careful in the way we live. We'd be focusing towards the goal. We'd be running as a marathon runner goes to the finishing line. But because the pleasures of this world, we saw that last Sunday when Solomon said he dived into pleasure and he was swimming in this pleasure. It was difficult for him to swim and get out of it. Again, you remember in school that those who run the race, and there are some people that stand by to cheer them. And if you are running the race, and then you stand and join those who are cheering, are you going to win the race? Sometimes we have joined the world. Even when we are supposed to be focusing on the fact that there is eternity. Let me just say two things about this eternity. Friends, first is that there is a finished product at the end of what God is doing today. Yes, it may be painful. It may be difficult. Yes, the rest, the times are hard for us, but God is working out something beautiful in his time. Run according to instructions. Run as the Bible encourages you so that at the end of the day, 
you get the price. There is a finished product that God is working on. And that finished product is to be with your Savior forever and ever. So it doesn't matter how things are, whether it is time to plant, whether it is time to kill, whether it is time to weep, whether it is time that is painful, but God is using this time, using all these things to bring out that finished product on that day when God is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the kingdom. Oh, what a blessedness that will be. All your pain, all your difficult will be gone and you step into eternity. But secondly, about that eternity, there's need for us to prepare. Because it is not just now, but it is eternity we need to prepare. Those who run the marathon, those who play sports, there is usually a critical time that we don't see. It is the time of preparation. That's why when they lose, the coach is fired because the coach did not coach them well. Things that we do in privacy, are they of eternal value or not? The activities that we engage ourselves in, if there's time to kill, are you just determined to kill whatsoever. There are people who are just negative, negative through and through. There's nothing good that they see. Is that, that does that describe you? Or let the Christian know that there's heaven and we need to prepare how to go and live in heaven. That's why we should sing with all our energies. That's why we should study God's word. That's why we should apply ourselves to the activity of the church. Because we are aiming for eternity. God has put eternity in the hearts of men so that we may prepare ourselves for eternity. But the unfortunate thing is men, they cannot cannot fathom what God is doing from beginning to end. And then in verse 12, he says, he knows that there is nothing better for a man than to be happy and do good while they live. What good are you involved in? That's why he has given us those contrasts. Those of you that love flowers, you know very well, the, the, the right time that you want to enjoy the flower is when it has just blossomed and there's that aroma that comes out of the flower so that everybody is able to notice that given flower. And let me tell you that soon after the flower blossoms, it is ready to die. 
Maybe you are at the peak of your life. Do the right thing. Because soon, death will be knocking on your door. Eternity will come. The third thing now in, in what the teacher is teaching us is the one that is found at the end there. Verse, from verse 20 to, to 22. He talks about life of both animals and human beings and says they both die. But I'll put that as a subtopic to say God knows the final destination. You may not know where you are going, but God knows. Other people may not know where they are going, but God knows. We have done funerals. Sometimes these funerals have passed through churches. And we feel like, oh, this one, because we passed through the church, they have gone to heaven. God knows the final destination. And that final destination should remind us on how we should live. In our shallow mind, we think we are the same with animals, but he says, no. When an animal dies, their life goes down. When a human being dies, there's a particular distension. It goes up to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that in view of this eternity, there is a place. And already has given us these contracts, contrasts that are positive and negative. So even the final destination is, is equally positive and negative. There's hell and heaven. So, which final destination are you headed to? How can you change your way as to whether you are going to the final destination of eternal life or eternal condemnation? What should you do? Obviously, as a New Testament believer, I have nothing to inform you but tell you that there's the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can believe in, who can change your direction. You will not go to heaven if you have not passed through the hands of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, here, the, the teacher is teaching us to say, if you are going to die like animals, our spirits going to the ground, no hope, no future, no anything, then we are to be pitied. But if we have different from animals, then we have a better life. There's nothing better for man than to enjoy his work. What was his work? We defined what his work was to bring pleasure to God. He says that in the closing chapters of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing that man should enjoy than to please God. If that is your work, we say in whatever field that God has given us, in as far as work is concerned, let's use that as an opportunity of worshiping this God. Let's use that as an opportunity 
to reach out to others. Thanks be to God for the way time comes our way and the opportunities that God gives to us. When we were growing up, to think of a soldier being a Christian was far away. We only thought the Christians would be a teacher and a nurse because they save lives. They teach people. But to think of a soldier being saved, uh -uh. Not, not in our time. I'm also using our time. It, it, but thanks be to God that today we have people who are soldiers, who are chaplains, who are preaching the gospel even where they are. That's the way it should be. Whatever job that you are involved in, use that as an opportunity to spread the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy that particular work. It is because there's a final destination. And that final destination is indeed final. Some other religions teach that your relatives that remain here on earth, they will contribute some money. And as they give, um, you'll be transferred from hell to heaven. My friends, that doesn't happen. It can't. The choice as to where your final destination is to be made is to be done now. Not when you are gone so that your relatives can put some money together. What then should we pick out of this um, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes? I am tempted to go to 2 Corinthians and chapter 2. 2 Corinthians, rather, chapter 6 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. Maybe let's speak it from verse 1. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Those opportunities that God gives to you, do not receive them in vain. How? In time of my favor, I heard you. The apostle is quoting the Old Testament when God's favor is extended to us. He should hear our voices calling out to God. When you are alive, and kicking, that is the time for you to call out to God and in his favor, he will hear you. When God has favored you with a job, when God has favored you with a family, when God has favored you with anything, it is the time for you to shout out to God, to call on God, and in the day of salvation, he will help you. Then, what does that mean? The Apostle Paul explains it in the same chapter. And now let's look at verses, six, verses 11 to 18 on how he wants us to respond. 
We have spoken freely, Corinthians, and we are open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection for you, but we are but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to my children, open wide your hearts also. Then he begins to tell them what they should do in that openness of heart, in that passionate language, in that heart-to-heart -heart relationship, in that time when you begin to say there's time to plant and there's time to pluck, there's time to embrace, there's time to throw away. He says, do not be equally yoked with unbelievers. Find Christians that you can make friends with. Because some people have thought Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is saying there's time for everything. Let me try to do everything. You can't. It is not to say, you are now open, you can do everything because there's time for everything. If there's girlfriends, let me have girlfriends also. If there's this, because there's time for everything. No, that's not what the text is saying. But passionately, the Apostle Paul is now saying, do not be equally yoked with unbelievers. He's giving them guidelines. He says, what fellowship is there between righteousness and unrighteousness? Find your time and use it well. What relationship is there between Christ and Bella? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? We should begin to select our conduct. We should have the work to assess what things we should be involved in and what we should not be involved in. That's the passionate appeal. That's the desire for the Apostle Paul. And he says, therefore, come out of them, be separate, be different. My, my concern really is that many times there's no difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Because we feel like we're living in the same world. But there should be a difference. Because there's time for everything. And this time we should show who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is time for us to display our holiness, to be separate from the world. A time in which God lives among us, his people, and we are called the people of God. He walks with us, and we walk with him. We acknowledge him as our God, as our Father, and we are his sons and daughters. That's how we should spend our time. And that can be good time for all of us in the presence of God. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, the Father of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, you who loves us with an everlasting love, you who is so sovereign 
self-governing, and you do things in your own time that are pleasing and befitting for your church. We plead our Father that as we have heard from the teacher when he says that there's time for everything, help us to find time for you, time for us to be separate from the world, time for us to walk with you, time for us to hear your word, time for us to love you and save you better. To you alone be the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you all. Amen.